Hey guys, my name is Alex, and I'm coming at you straight from the perch, and this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Now, before we get started, I want to thank everybody who listened to the Spice and Wolf episode. Um, I did that specifically because there is a reboot of Spice and Wolf on the horizon. Um, Actually, I think it's a re-adaptation, not a reboot, but um, not a straight-up reboot, but it's still very exciting for what that show is. If you don't know what Spice and Wolf is, um, you can go, you can go watch it just about the only, you can go watch it on Funimation, you can also go watch it on Crunchyroll, um, we'll get to why that is in a second, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, you can also go listen to the ep- previous episode in the feed, which is all about just that, Spice and Wolf. Now, to what I want to talk about, okay. It's the return of anti-capitalist Alex. Um, now that sound means return of anti-capitalist Alex, and I got them. I got some feelings, guys. I got some feelings about about the Crunchyroll Funimation situation. No, I've also I've already listened to the Anime Roundtable, the official anime podcast of Anime North, um, talk about this on on their um, at pretty good length actually on their uh, most recent Space Eater chat. Which, if you don't know the Anime Roundtable, they've been around for literally ever, vanished for a while, but they are like. They are your favorite old Takus anime podcast, so to speak. Like, me and, like, the people from Anime World Order listen to them. Um, But, on that note, if you haven't heard, which I can't imagine that you watch anime streaming and you haven't heard, um, if you haven't, you're living some sort of blessed existence, and I want your life. Um, Funimation, uh, Sony, a while back, bought Funimation. And then they bought Crunchyroll. And for the past... And since they bought Crunchyroll, the two have kind of existed in harmony and, like, like nothing ever happened, for the most part. Now, the reality of that meant that Funimation was getting a lot of the, um, was getting, was getting a lot of the dubs of things, and Crunchyroll was getting a lot of the subs of things. It was really similar to the Funimation-Crunchyroll partnership that happened, uh, at this point, I think a bunch of years back, and that's what it kind of looked like for since they bought Funimate, since they bought Crunchyroll, I don't have exact dates on this, and that's why I'm being sketchy with the dates. Um, but right after they bought, right after Sony bought Crunchyroll, everybody, this like specific kind of YouTube video started popping up in my feed, and it was all of these amateur YouTube, 
anime YouTubers. Like, no one of note, we're not talking about, like, Anime Man or we're not talking about Crash Taste. They were all, like, the higher end, I'm not going to say higher end, uh, the more experienced and the elder statesmen of the anime world were more like, look at how much money they spent on friggin' Crunchyroll anime the big deal we've been telling we've been trying to tell you anime the big deal since since universal was like oops we need a dvd market and we so we're going to produce anime so we can sell it in physical copies to people and anime fans are the only weirdos who want physical copies of shit these days um but the <laughs> Long and short of it was that they had, there were all these videos swarming around, like, when are they going to nuke Crunchyroll? Like, when is our favorite anime streaming site that we only like this week because it's the alternative to big, big business that always, that in the anime space, has, in, in America at least, has always been Funimation. Like, Funimation is not the cool, you know alternative it is the mainstream thing they put out dragon ball z you don't get much more mainstream anime than we put out dragon ball z in fact the only way that you get to do that is if you put out both if you put out all the following three things naruto Sailor moon and pokemon and that's what biz is but like biz Viz tried to start a streaming a streaming TV channel and fucked it up. So like, not not fucked up, just didn't make it its own app and didn't make it like well made it its own app, but like didn't make it a stable thing in the way Retro Crush just has like a really great <laughs> Retro Crush is a really great program managed um, TV channel in its app that plays like old anime. In the way that you would have expected to see it. Like, I... I turned that thing on because I've been watching through Hajime no Ippo. Because Hajime no Ippo. Um, and I encountered the following program block. I've encountered Flames of Raka. Kromori High School. <laughs> An episode of Kromori High School. I wasn't sure which one. And an episode... Immediately before the kicker, an episode of Vampire Princess Mew. <laughs> like that. I probably said about three shows that you, with two shows in Flames of Raka and Vampire Princess Mew, that you, if you're a newer anime fan, are like, what are those things? First off, just, just go sign up for Retro Crutch. It's free. The ads are annoying, but it's like normal TV, so you can just, you can watch the old good shit. You can also watch the old insane shit. Um, it's worth it, I promise. But, like, they managed to pull off and program something meaningful where Viz never gave itself a chance and never gave its viewers, like, an on-demand scenario where you could just, like, pick what you wanted to watch. <laughs> um, which is really the bread and butter of... Retro Crush, like, you turn that thing on and the TV channel is playing ancillarily in the background. Like, it's playing while you pick something that you actually want to watch. Which is really kind of a great little touch. But 
Anyway, so like, let's call Viz the licensor in this scenario where they are like the mainstreamist of the mainstream because they have had, I believe they still have the North American Pokemon license. They also have the North American Sailor Moon license. Those are two huge shows. And then also Naruto, which is also enormous. Let's be clear. The Funimation is playing on that level with like Dragon Ball Z, Full Metal Alchemist, One Piece, that kind of stuff. So everybody thought that Crunchyroll, the like, so this is this is the problem with people's perception of Crunchyroll. People perceive Crunchyroll as being this scrappy upstart thing, just like paying for licenses and all of this stuff. And I think kind of quietly under the surface, the thing that turned everybody against Crunchyroll in the High Guardian Spice quote-unquote release trailer wasn't that they were like touting this this like multi-ethnic female dominant you know alternative creating force although I think that was part of it um because it felt like it felt like woke being shoved in your face even if you are for all these things like slow the fuck down calm the fuck down Jesus um (laughs) Uh, it, that was a reveal of exactly what kind of company Crunchyroll actually is. Like, I've I've heard one of the social media managers of Crunchyroll say that they want Crunchyroll to feel on social media like it's your other friend who's into anime if you don't have another friend in your area who's into anime they want it to feel personal and fan like because they are all anime fans you know they like miles is like lupin fan number one it's wild but bottom line is, is that they Crunchyroll was a, was a gray market company started in, I think, um, Berkeley. And it basically, when it began, it was like, oh, it was hurting the cast of all the different fan subgroups into one place. And made, that made it very easy to watch fan subs for like kind of the first time, fan subs of, the, of anime for kind of the first time on the internet. Like there was nothing missing because they were doing their they were like probably keeping an eye on all the sites and like going to all the groups like horrible horrible subs and all the other stuff horrible subs that we it's the one that still exists now and saying like hey just put them on here like you'll get the eyeballs we promise and i don't remember when they started charging for it but I do know it was before they got seed round investor money. Because once they got seed round investor money, that site, like the trap door at the bottom of the pool opened up and all of the content left. Because they needed to be a clean site. They, like It needed to be cleaned. It needed to be cleaned so they weren't breaking any like IP laws between countries. 
because now they actually had money for what they were doing. And so it was a huge deal if, like, I don't know, you had illegally subbed, you had illegally obtained fan sub copy of, of One Piece on it. But what they did was they filled it up as quickly as possible and they made sure they had some licenses in the bank before they did the great emptying. So it was not all the way empty. There was still stuff there to watch. And more stuff came back often and more and more often because they approached the industry as real fans of it, as people wanted to participate and uplift the industry and give the industry a legal streaming avenue into America. Which at the time, thanks partly to Shife, like Crunchyroll before it like went legit and stopped being purely a pi- and stopped being a piracy site, had real issues like making money abroad from its content, especially in the way they expected to, because I don't know if you've seen Blu-ray prices in Japan. It crazy. <laughs> It like 80 bucks a disc crazy sometimes. I'm sure it's gotten better, but at the time, 80 bucks a disc for like a DVD, and that's not even a box set, that's like a standard maybe four to six episodes in a DVD scenario. That's what that looked like. And so that's where you have Crunchyroll. And then Funimation started and continues and continued until this announcement as a completely legal thing. It's it's helmed by people who are fans who wanted to find a way to bring stuff over to the West. That starts and continues along with shows like Dragon Ball Z. And Dragon Ball is like a, an important is a really important cornerstone of not only the anime industry and not only anime like spreading beyond Japan's borders, but of fun, of Funimation as a company. Like they they released the Rock the Dragon box set for a reason. Like it's a huge driver for them. It was always a huge driver for them. Um, but. The problem comes when they started to get into streaming because for as much for as much agita as people can remember um, happening with Crunchyroll, especially around Verve and when so when Verve came into the picture for Crunchyroll, Verve was actually I was in Verve beta testing phase. Um, Verve was a separate company that was pretty quickly bought by Crunchyroll. Um, like, it was barely out for a year. It was barely out for a couple months before Crunchyroll just, like, snapped it up. And the reason Crunchyroll snapped it up was because they could run... Pe- so they could run parallel streams to their streams on Verve. Or at least that's what it seemed like. Because at the time Crunchyroll bought Verve, it was starting to have the problems that a more pronounced licensor in the market like Funimation already had in that 
Funimation had too, had too much, many people interested in what it was selling and interested in its streams and all this stuff. And it got to a point even on Crunchyroll where an episode of Dragon Ball Super would come out and that was that was the ball game. Like, if you didn't get in on that episode, like, first thing in the morning, Crunchyroll was largely useless for about 24 hours. <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. And so with Verve, they had a way to say, like, hey, um, Crunchyroll's got a lot of people in here right now. How about you go watch our Verve? Just how about you do that? Because we can guarantee that it will work. <laughs> we hope. Oh, God. And so... There was that, there was the High Guardian Spice thing, with that whole debacle. There's in general the Crunchyroll Originals, which for the most part are not great shows. And there's also the... There's a weird statement by Crunchyroll that is kind of true, kind of not true. Um, and anybody will anybody who knows anything about the anime industry will tell you this: that Crunchyroll is supporting anime creators. Mm. It kind of is, kind of mostly isn't though. Um, and that and a lot of like Crunchyroll's biggest problems came along with it no longer being an independent company and then being part of like. AT&T, you know, all these different entities that kept that it kept being passed through ultimately to get to Sony, to get to being part of Sony. Um, and when you are not running the show yourself, downward pressure is put on you to be profitable, to produce to produce content that you own so it will live in your library, a la something like House of Cards for Netflix. Um, or any of the myriad of HBO shows that are now HBO Max um, exclusives because HBO just like, oh, we made Entourage? Okay. We could use that to print money forever. Um, are there douchebags? Yes. Let's let's sell them a box set of Entourage. Um, I'm not kidding. <laughs> but the... So all the downward pressure from Funimation... From um, Crunchyroll felt like it was coming from all the companies that owned it, but the entire time on the other end, the problem with Funimation, especially in the streaming game, is that it is not very good. Like the the, the Funimation player is fucked. I'm sorry, it's just fucked. And also, Funimation is the big box store of anime. It's like I said, it's. It's got the big boys on it. It, it. You go there for huge shows. My Hero Academia. Um, One Piece. Dragon Ball Z. It's like the giant tentpole shows. It's not necessarily even something like a My Dress Up Darling. It might be highlighted on Funimation for a week. But it's not the majority of what you would go to Funimation to go watch. And as a result, Funimation was doing fine. But it, but it eventually got bought by Sony. And if you ask anybody who watches anime on the internet, 
and pays to watch anime on the internet, um, myself included, you'll know that like the the play the players from worst to best rank probably somewhere in this in this line. Worst it's gotta be Amazon Prime Video. Like Amazon Prime Video player is it's like abusive to you as a watcher. It's hilarious. Um, do you want subtitles on? There's no way to do that by default. We're not going to recognize that it's not English being spoken. We're just going to not turn the subtitle on. Good luck. And then you got Funimation. Why? Because Funimation is like... Funimation is using a kind of like region-locking DRM, which is digital rights management, that screws up every once in a while. And says thing and says sometimes when you, in the middle of when you're watching a show, hey, so um, we can't do that for you, bud. Like, you seem like you're in Australia, and little, little known to you, you're like um, I'm, I am now and have always been just on my couch. What's wrong with you? And the Funimation player had enough. Hitches and glitches and weird things. And their service department is supposed to be atrocious. Their website is a shambling nightmare. Where anything would look good to it. And also... Crunchyroll has had some really excellent social media managers. And some really excellent public faces who you see and you still know. They also spent years streaming the anime awards. They spent years doing these really sig- and then they got into like doing conventions and all this stuff before the pandemic happened and everybody and their mother could run a badly um, imagined Zoom convention basically. Um, Discord convention, actually, more, more likely. But everybody was like, what? Everybody was so surprised when Funimation got, when they announced that Funimation is basically being drowned slowly in a pool. And all the attention would be put on Crunchyroll. But when you stop and look at it, and you look at the history of both sides of this, Crunchyroll has the better player, um, which is not hard, trust me. It had the better brand-customer relationship, has the more diverse brand, and has this kind of like, especially in America, this kind of integration with the anime fan community in that like everybody has a feeling about Crunchyroll in one way or another. Whereas Funimation, it, there are people just like, oh, you mean the people who make my Dragon Ball box set? I mean, sure. They seem fine. That's not really what you want. You want some feeling in either direction. Now, the thing that I want to mentioned here because once again anti-capitalist Alex is here 
Um, this is not a good thing. My roommate, um, Brad, who you can actually hear over on the um, Uncanny Curve podcast when we had him on to talk about a Spider-Man um, Wolverine crossover comic. Um, but he he would say if he had like an ultimate plan, his plan would be to buy Marvel from Sony, to buy Marvel from Disney. Actually, actually to to buy Disney, <laughs> assume he had unlimited money to buy Disney. Therefore, he had Marvel, and then buy DC from Warner Brothers and merge it all together to make one super nerd like company thing. Which Marvel and DC, who have traded artists and talent back and forth for years in like real apparent ways, is one thing. But also, you got Disney and like that. All that goes bad. All that goes bad for the end for the end user because you're like centralizing a kind of comic space that like Disney can abuse because they're like, oh, what if Disney Plus costs two hundred dollars a month? And that's kind of what Sony has done in buying Funimation and Crunchyroll. But it wasn't like at its fi- what people call in this stupid scenario its final form yet. And by end of lifing Funimation and putting all that stuff in the Crunchyroll servers, you are. <laughs> You're creating one place everybody's gonna got, basically gotta go for a majority of shows. You're creating a monopoly scenario. And what that means is, is unless you are committed to only watching things on something like Retro Crush or High Dive, smaller, cheaper services, in the case of Retro Crush Free, you are beholden to whatever they want to charge. Whatever Crunchyroll wants to charge, whatever decides its service is worth, is what it's going to be. This is true already in the form of Netflix. If you want to watch a Netflix original thing, you have to give them the $15 a month. There's no way around. I mean, you could go... You could go pirate it, um, but other than pirating, there's no way around it. And with Netflix, pirating is harder because of encoding nonsense and stuff. But this is a big part of the reason why Game of Thrones was the most pirated show on the internet for the time it was running. And that was because it was a captive audience problem of Game of Thrones was on HBO. If you weren't paying for HBO, you couldn't watch Game of Thrones day and date. So, and you couldn't even get it on demand later. So, you had to go steal it off the internet. You had to go steal a bad rip off the internet. And the thing there was... HBO, like even in the time of HBO Go, its first um, streaming that its first iteration of HBO Max, HBO took this approach of like, ah, we don't, we just care somebody's paying for HBO Go. We don't really care who it is, 
as long as like somebody has a login somewhere to the point where John Oliver notably has had a show on HBO for years. I think in the Emmys gave out his HBO, his like employee HBO ID and just said, go hog wild. Like go, go watch stuff. And nothing bad happened to him. It's like weird, badass performance art. And hilariously, at one point, HBO and Crunchyroll were owned by the same company. That would be AT&T. And them doing that, them being more about the art of making good TV than the than the um like capitalism nature of it it's all well and good i mean and they made they made plenty of money i'm not i'm not complain i'm not saying that they're like poor over at hbo obviously but the other thing that you got to remember about this scenario is it requires something very important that the anime community the anime industry in america does not have it requires absolute ownership of the property. So what I mean by that is let's look at High Guardian Spice for a minute. Not in terms of quality, but in terms of what it is. It is a show produced by Crunchyroll for Crunchyroll. This is also true of Freak Angels. Go figure. They are... Those two shows are Crunchyroll going out and finding intellectual property that it can say, we will pay for this and we will own the rights for this basically in perpetuity. That's very similar once again to House of Cards. The reason why Netflix did House of Cards and has done all these other originals to date and keeps making... These weird rip-off, like, like stand-off-the-serial-numbers-on-the-back versions of popular movies is because the end game for Netflix is there's nothing but Netflix original content on Netflix. But that can't be the end game for something like, say, um, what's it called? Say, Crunchyroll. Or Funimation. Their entire services are built around a product they don't inherently own. So let's say... So, so and this is a perfect example. And this is like, this is competition at work in the like streaming space. Netflix offered a shit ton of money for the JoJo's license. Now... All of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, including Part 6, is Netflix exclusive. This is true of some shows on High Dive. This is true of some shows on of a bunch of shows on Retro Crush. Now, there's a lot of bleed between Retro Crush and um, other services because that's retro anime, which is a different thing. <laughs> but... The reason why Crunchyroll and 
Funimation originally teamed up a bunch of years back was because they were, like, both companies were worried about the cost creep of licensing anime. They were they were genuinely worried about, like, with Netflix, and rightfully so, with Netflix in the... in the... in the... in the... in play for all of these licenses, what Netflix could offer that they... that these two smaller companies couldn't offer, which is a shit ton of money. And we saw this play out in Netflix getting the Evangelion... Getting hilariously all of Evangelion except for the new movies, and something tells me that was like, oh, I was just feeling like, ah, fuck these guys. Um, and also they did a lot of fuckery with the subtitles and dub and all that stuff, which I'm sure maybe the director did not appreciate Netflix doing all of that stuff. Um, but. The thing that was good about that partnership was exactly that. It was a partnership. It was them basically colluding to keep the keep the playing field level, which would work for everybody, including the consumer, because the more they have to pay for licensing, the more we have to pay them for them to be able to do that. So they were keeping it all at a reasonable level, and just to, like, be extra, extra sure the FC, the FTC was not coming after them, they built in, like, consumer bonuses. Like, if you had a subscription of both, you would get, like, $2 off each side. Basically, something like that. And that was all possible because they were two separate companies, and they had two separate goals for out of the same license. Like, one goal was, I want the subtitle streaming. The other one was, I want the rights to dub and stream. To do a simul dub scenario. But here's the, here's the thing. And I said this at the time. I said this when Crunchyroll was bought by, by Funimation parent company, Sony. It was good because they were a partnership. Not because they were the same thing. Because the dynamics that happen when you're the same thing are different than if you're still, if it's still possible that you could go out on your own and license a different show. And what that means is, is if it's a partnership and you're agreeing to go in together on certain shows, there's a scenario in which Funimation brings Crunchyroll a show and says like, we want to license this. And Crunchyroll's like, of course you do. It's really mainstream. We don't really have an interest in this. Then Crunchyroll, then Funimation can break away for that for that one show and go in by itself and say, hey, we want to license this whole thing. And vice versa for Crunchyroll. And they even say they even said that in the original press release of they said. Where it makes sense, we will go into the room together. And that, A, gives them a lot of leeway, but B, allows them to still be two separate entities that sometimes meet on the battlefield and high-five instead of shoot each other in the face. But now that they're both the same entity, you have two things that are happening. You have 
them still being able to, in the same way as the partnership allows them to compete, especially now that they have Sony money behind them, um, still be be able to compete with Netflix, which is which places like Netflix, which is really important. Netflix and Amazon, actually, the two big competitors they would have to deal with. But then you have a second thing. You have them as the biggest source for anime. You have them as the biggest, like, drinking well. Like, like for all of us, if we want to watch the majority of shows at this point. Which means they have a captive audience. Which means that much in the way that your Netflix subscription goes up every couple months. Like it's it's like fast approaching twenty bucks. Uh your Amazon Prime subscription goes up maybe once a year. It's it's up to like hundred and thirty nine dollars or something insane shit. A a year, but still. This is the way it goes. This is what happens. If you watch the, and this is probably where I'll end it because this, this is this is the big capitalist Alex nightmare I've been warning you about every chance I goddamn get. Um, if you've been watching the show on hilariously Showtime, um, a a former a former and still weirdly somehow compatriot of HBO, um. There's a, there's a kind of, like, semi-docu-series about the rise of Uber called Super Pumped. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays the, um, Travis Kalanick, the founder of Uber, of Uber. And the point at which he said, like, once we get you in the car twice, we have you. And once we get enough people in the car twice, they don't care what it costs. And we can charge whatever we want. And they have this great, like, breakdown of what the hell a convenience fee, of what the hell a convenience fee, or in Uber's case, a safe riding fee is. And what that actually serves to do. So, that's the mindset of tech companies. And make no mistake, like, we like to think of Netflix and Crunchyroll and Funimation and High Dive and even Retro Crush as entertainment companies, as maybe their own thing, streaming platforms. But those are fundamentally tech companies. They, they all, like... They all have big shiny offices in the same cities as Netflix and Amazon and Amazon Prime Video. But at the end of the day, you know, if they're the only game, if they're one, if they're the biggest game in town, what's to say that your Netflix subscription couldn't, that your um, Crunchyroll subscription, now that it's all one, it's one big bloated thing. Wouldn't go up to say, I don't know, $15 a month. What to say it wouldn't go up to 30 And I'm not saying it will go up to 30 I'm not saying that the market would bear that. But there's this disregard for 
what people are willing to pay versus what they really should be paying. And it's, it's crazy. And now, there is a logic for why you would want this. But there's a solution to what the problem is that is not this. And this is really where I'll leave it. And that reason you would want this is we have a like we have an embarrassment of streaming options now. Where before the Funimation Crunchyroll like fusion dance thing started happening. If I wanted to if I wanted to watch the amount of anime I usually need to watch to be able to run a twice weekly podcast about anime in which at least one of those two podcasts is a review, is a conversation about a show, I need to pay for Funimation one, Crunchyroll two, High Dive three, Netflix four. Retro Crush 5. Uh, let's say Hulu 6. Amazon Prime 7. Um, I think I think 7 is where I'm going to stop. But I bet if like you looked at my shit, you'd probably find 10. You would HBO Max. There's 8. Um, all the Ghibli movies. Um... I bet you I bet you we could get to ten pretty easily. And that's not that's not so much that I wouldn't pay fifty dollars to one person to do that. Like I uh, that would be very convenient. That's more that like I have little hits to my bank account multiple times a week for like the first week of every month. It's bizarre. And that's a huge problem because you have people subscribing to multiple things. You have people subscribing to like repeat libraries of stuff in some cases. Like all this stuff just to watch, just to beam stuff into your eyeballs. Now, hilariously, the like, the solution for this is a cable package. That's what it is. Like, it's in a, in a cable package scenario. It doesn't matter if the Godfather is playing on three channels. You still have 500 channels to pick from. If this was a cable package scenario and the channels were like Funimation, Crunchyroll, Netflix, Amazon Prime, High Dive, Retro Crush, and like you were paying one provider for access to all of these things maybe with no discount just a lump payment and it was a good interface and all this stuff um joshua topolsky over on um the tomorrow podcast uh i believe came up like came to the same conclusion we just need a cable package that allows all those companies to be individual and also allows the consumer to, like, simplify their lives somehow in a real meaningful way. It's kind of what Apple TV wanted to do, but Apple TV doesn't want to negotiate. Also, Apple TV is another one I pay for. They're nine. Um, 
Um, and in Hulu 10, there you go. There are 10 streaming services that I did pay for in my life. Um, Apple Music, 11. Fuck. Um, it's all... It's all about keeping companies in their own... It, like, it, by themselves. Because in the scenario as it used to be before... Funimation and Crunchyroll even owned by the same company. Even if it was as a top level Sony and AT&T butting heads for licensing deals. It was still two people competing. Which means several things. And really means several things. It means that that competition drives the price up of the thing they're licensing. Which means more money into the anime system. Which, I'm not going to lie and say trickles down, but it's still good. That's like still a net positive. And B, that means that on the other end, one can't charge more than the other without meaningful, without like a meaningful reason because you'll just cancel. Like, like why, like all of a sudden, why is my Crunchyroll subscription $20 a a month. Funimation's sitting over here giving me great shit for six. And that's the difference. That's the thing that won't happen now. Because the other streaming services, the other primarily anime streaming services, um, I think High Dive is like five bucks. Uh, maybe I think I, High Dive is five bucks. And Retro Crush is free. Retro Crush is its own ad-supported insane model. Um, a la early Hulu. But the stuff, but there's a lot of cross-contamination there. And you get more on Mega Roll or Crunchyroll or whatever, or whatever we want to call it. Um, and so Crunchyroll is the Netflix scenario of we're going to charge whatever we want to charge and you're going to deal with it. And oh, if you want to download, we... You're going to download stuff because you're going on like vacation. You want it on like a plane trip. You're going to have to pay more for that too. And it gets into this scenario that not only allows but encourages them to abuse the customer financially. Because where else is they going to go? My Hero Academia ain't on high dive. This is your only option. And that's and like that's the ball game. And so, how would I know what you're asking, Alex? Capital anti-capitalism, Alex. How would you how would you have stopped this? There's no way this could have been stopped. Yes, there. Yes, there is. Four years, four decades since before. Before I was born. The basis for whether or not something was anti-competitive. Is does it harm, does it cause meaningful consumer harm? Which means that if Bell Electronics back in the day. Bell was one of those like two phone companies. Wanted to buy the other phone company. They would essentially be able to set the prices for all phone calls. 
So not only was Bell stopped from doing shit like that, it was broken up because it was considered to be anti-competitive. Because there was real consumer harm there. But what... What... Especially American company, the American, like, world government has ceased to understand is that that's not the only... Like, instead of having to go back and fix it later once, like, say... Sony is willfully allowing Crunchyroll to charge 30 bucks a month for a streaming subscription that's worth maybe 20 maybe it's $10 overvalued, and having to go in and say, look, you can't do this, this is anti-competitive, because there's nobody else to compete with you, we're going to force you to sell off Crunchyroll or Funimation, take your pick. Instead, they could do that on that basis anyway. It's not hard to do, to do the math. I can see it. The guys on Anime Roundtable can see it. Like, prices are going to go up because of this. Because they're now the biggest... They're the only anime streaming player at their size. Nobody else who has anime on a streaming service can boast the sheer amount of IP that Crunchyroll has at this point. Not even before Funimation fed into it, fed, like fed itself to the to the Sarlacc pit. And it's just it's not it's not it's not good. It's not a good thing. And not only is it not a good thing, it's like it will be the thing that turns the like anime streaming landscape. Largely into paste. And. Uh, potentially. And the reason why I'm saying that is. There's one more piece to this. And that is. That Sony is a Japanese company. Sony has an arm of it. Called Sony Entertainment. And Sony Entertainment. Has produced shows. In the past. Has produced anime in the past. And what's to stop them. What's to stop them from. Just ignoring. The, um, I won't, don't want to say, um, the, the contradiction of, um, licensing a show and saying, like, we want our show to be more popular, so it is worth more when we go to sell merch of it than any other show on Crunchyroll. And then... The decision comes down from on high. Okay, you get to call this Crunchyroll original. Even if it's not, because, you know, Sony. And you get to, and as such, we want you to promote it like it's a Crunchyroll original, because it is. And promote it the same way you would have promoted I'm a Spider, so what? Or something to that nature. That means. That Crunchyroll is using its is using its foothold in the North American market to force another to force its show to be more popular because the bottom line is, as much as we don't want to believe it, like the advertising works on the vast majority of otaku, especially 
younger otaku. Not to piss anybody off who's like still in their first two years, but you guys, you guys are malleable. <laughs> you guys are gettable. <laughs> you guys are hot and gettable. <laughs> Gross. And the. And you can see that by, say, Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm pretty. I'm. Like, they promoted the shit out of Jujutsu Kaisen. And that show became really popular. A, because it was a good show. But B, it's not that hard to. For, like, a lesser show to do the same thing. I was just saying. Um, about Amazon, about Amazon scores. Amazon scores, like the first Amazon score you see, is largely useless because you got to be really fucking up not to get a four star rating on the internet. And it, in the same way, if you produce something and there are no fans of it, that thing has to be absolute esoteric dog shit. And the reason why I say that is because, like, somebody would like. The dog shit. I regularly go on dog shit vendors in terms of quality of an anime. And it's like, I'm like, what's the most terrible thing I can watch? Um, I, I have some of those reviews of some of those shows in the podcast feed. You can go listen to them. Um, a la Queen's Place. Um, but the... Um... A la Tokyo Ghoul, which is a tone poem. There, I said it again. Um, all these conflicts of interest, all these eventual harms of t- to the consumer financially, and eventual hits on the financial on the consumer's wallet, because this is a big, complicated, messy nightmare of a thing that shouldn't exist. And because it's America, because it's America, and it is the scenario it is, and the people regulating this kind of thing don't have the same awareness of the fact that say every anime series that exists is its own brand in its entirety. You know, if you think about Attack on Titan. You see a logo in your mind. If you think about Dragon Ball Z, same thing. You think about Pokemon, Pokemon logo. You think about, I don't know. Um, you think about my dress up darling. There's a, there's a visual that happens in your head that functions like a logo. And this means that we should be thinking about these masses of shows as masses of brands, as the logo wall on the Coca-Cola website where you see Minute Maid and Aquafina and whatever the hell else, or even better, the fact that Pepsi owns Burger King and hilariously served Coke in Burger King, um, but the Pepsi owning Burger King thing is probably more apt because. If Pepsi wanted to, they could flip a switch and, oh, oops, sorry, you know, we got a better deal from Pepsi, so now we serve exclusively Pepsi um, product. Woohoo! Have some Pepsi Code Red and die. Um, but 
these and part of the reason that Pepsi probably still serves Coke and Burger King is A, because they're afraid they'd upset consumers. B, it it's like a honoring it's honoring the spirit of business kind of thing of like yes we own Burger King but the CEO of Burger King wanted Coca-Cola wanted to keep his relationship with Coca-Cola when we bought it so we're going to honor that deal and not touch it with 10 foot pole you see this in um, Xbox's treatment of Activision Blizzard and games they have committed to come out on um, a cross platform and all that stuff is very carefully done to not piss off regulators. Just not piss off regulators. Like they, they they can go back later and say like, like we we said we'd keep we said we'd keep like Call of Duty or whatever the hell it is like cross platform for a couple of years, and you know it no longer makes sense for us to do that in terms of uh, you know profit and productivity window we want to hit with with this product so we're gonna make it xbox exclusive congratulations if you have an xbox uh, and i know that as an anime fan you don't really want to think about this i don't really want to have to think about this either but it's the same point like when i get to like 45 and it's like crunchyroll is still kicking and now it's like we get orange spines on DVD boxes and on Blu-ray boxes and shit. I I would be remiss if I'm like, ah, I didn't, I, I saw this fucking coming. And on that note, um, this has been your semi-regular dose of anti-capitalism, Alex. And we will return to our normal Alex programming um, on Thursday. If you like this episode, however, new episodes come out every Sunday and Thursday. Sunday episodes are usually they're usually a lot shorter. <laughs> it's the thing I'll say. They're not like an hour long. They are, however, still metatextual about the industry, about anime in general, about the fandom. Every once in a while, anti-capitalism Alex bah, 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 comes out to play. Um, and he has thoughts. Um, but third-day episodes are usually more about an individual show or movie or what have you. So um, definitely go check it out. And if you like it, be sure to share it with people so people can come meet anti-capitalism Alex for themselves. And you saw it was going to do the horns, didn't you? I did not. Except for right there. Um, and um, definitely go subscribe to the podcast. Do your future episodes. Wherever you listen to podcasts. But until then, I'll talk to you on Thursday.